a funny note on that. We're on, I started a TikTok recently just to see if like if it would do anything or what all the hype is about for Whitetail Instinct. And a guy told me I needed, I said, uh, we're getting ready for uh, uh, plans for the fall now. Time to make a game plan for the fall. And he commented and said, in, in what, wait two years? Because the buck wasn't big enough. <laughs> so I had a comment back. Back with episode six of the Out Here Show, another Monday, another Out Here Show. We're talking a little bit of trophy hunting stuff. We're talking early season deer tips and deer research and a bunch of other stuff. So should be a pretty good show. Um, as usual, short intro, but we'll turn it over to Brody with what we're doing. You know, this time of year, we're doing a lot of planning based off our trail camera picture. Now. Yeah, I think that's the big thing is just checking these trail cameras, figuring out which places we want to hit first. How the you know, how our setups are going to work, if we're in the right spot, if we need to move, what all of this data that we've kind of collected since the off-season started means for September 1st when the season opens. Yeah, so it's just a lot of prep, getting ready for opening day and figuring out which spots as we get closer that we want to hit first. We have a pretty good, really the probably the best early season prospects that we've had in yeah, a long it, time. The early season's always been a struggle for us for whatever reason. It's something that we've gained more knowledge on and tried to learn more, and hopefully that's kind of paying off. I mean, I can think back that we had spots to go to, but I don't know that we've had them as... I don't, I'm sure fire is way too strong of a word to use, but as much data and intel and, like, momentum, I think, going into an early season. And knowing setup. that there's bucks there, where exactly they are, and kind of where we need to go set up, it's just if the final pieces are going to come together. Yep. Like, it's closer than we've ever been early season. So, yep. should be exciting as we get into deer season here in September. Um, the first thing we're going to talk about, which should bring out lots of strong opinions, which we want you guys to leave below if you have any opinions on anything that we talk about. But we're talking about trophy hunting. Um, this is in the July issue of Bowhunter Magazine. Um, they're just talking about trophy hunting and some thoughts on it, and just kind of got me thinking so i thought it was a good one to kind of bring up and see what you thought and see what we thought and see what everybody else thought so there's a quote at the start that said how can other bow hunters know what is big or small unless animals are scored and entered in the books so that was a quote he was kind of talking about why boone and crockett needed to be a thing and like i said it's kind of he thinks or that guy thought that how do bow hunters know if they've shot something big if we don't score it and enter it in some sort of record book. Or that just kind of, I had a problem with that statement, so I was going to try and articulate maybe why I had a problem with that statement. Because it got me thinking when I read that, I was like, oh, I don't really like what I just heard there. And I kind of had to think through why I didn't like it. I guess I'll, my first, I'll give you my first initial reaction real quick and let you go. Um, my first initial reaction was, that's, that's fine, we can score score things. I don't know if there's nothing wrong with scoring things. There's record books in sports, like for having the top passing, you know, touchdowns and rushing records and all that. There's nothing wrong with scoring it. I think it's how it's used and perceived. But also, we don't necessarily need a score to tell me that the deer I shot's huge if it's huge to me. Yeah. That's the first thing. To me, I know if a deer is big or if he's small, 
as soon as I see him walking towards me. The other yeah. night we were velvet scouting. We seen that one walking across the swamp going to the soybeans, and we're like, shooter, big funny, deer. Like, uh, a funny note on that. We're on, I started a TikTok recently just to see if like if it would do anything or what all the hype is about for Whitetail Instinct. And a guy told me I needed, I said, uh, we're getting ready for uh, uh, plans for the fall now. Time to make a game plan for the fall. And he commented and said, in, in what, wait two years? Because the buck wasn't big enough. So I had a comment back. So yeah, I yeah. let him know that was pretty low and that I didn't need him judging me. Yeah, <laughs> That's a oh, side geez. note for that, but it kind of ties right in. Yeah, with TikTok this. starting off strong. Yeah. That's why we weren't on Ridge, there. For- Ridge Runner. And I feel like there's a Ridge Runner name running around on YouTube saying yeah. similar things. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess if you're going to put your name out there and you have an account, that's who it is. You guys want to go check him out. Check him out. He'll judge you. But uh, so moving on, like I said, I don't need someone, like you said, someone to tell me if it's big or small. If I think, then that's some, I just got to go back to that. If that's something we've talked about a bunch of times it's already. It's a big pet peeve for it's us. It's just a social media people telling other people or shaming other people for what they're shooting or what they think is a good deer. Yeah. It just should not happen. It happens way too much. And it's just a, I don't know. It just needs to leave. And I think... What we're trying to do is at least speak out on it and speak about it and hopefully other people, people that have more followers, more, you know, bigger accounts than we do, hopefully start speaking up on it and we can tame it down a little bit. Um, Sometimes judging other people. Like, my life and what I shoot has nothing to do with Ridge Runner and what he shoots. If he wants to wait for bigger ones, wait, but don't judge me because I feel like that buck was big, which it was. It's yeah. not a 160. I understand that, but it's big enough that I'm excited to shoot him if he walks 15 yards from me yeah. in September 1st. That's a three and a half, four and a half year old four by four deer. Like what on yeah. public? What's you have to wrong judge with- if that's Iowa? <laughs> yeah, it's probably not a big buck. Yeah, but that's Nebraska and a place with you know a 160 is not walking out on that property no matter how long I wait. Yeah, and who a deer's probably dead by rifle season if we don't yeah. get him. So because what are you going to do? plenty of people will be yeah. happy to shoot that thing. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a side note. That's a tangent. Yeah, side but I got note now we're going to get going on. You can see our passion for the, not for the people that do that. Yeah. But anyways, I'll know if a deer's big. He's walking towards me. I don't need you to score him to tell me if he's big or not. Um, and again, I have right down here. I don't need social media <laughs> or others to tell me if my deer that I yeah. think is big or not big. So, I mean, that's not what's going through my mind, you know. When that deer is walking in is, I wrote down Billy was the name I put in, but now I'm going to change it. Like, man, I hope Ridge Runner from Ohio approves of this deer that I'm going to shoot. Like, yeah, that's I not think, what's going through my mind. And I think mind. the sad part is, is that sometimes that goes through people's mind. For us, that's not. But for a lot of people and young hunters and people trying to get into it, that's what's going through their mind. Is if I shoot this deer, I want to, but what's this guy going to say on social media? What are my friends going to say? And sometimes that's you know, going through their mind, that's not a good thing. So that should be the last thing on your mind when a deer is walking in, yeah. is if other people are going to approve. Like, yeah. if you think it's fine, shoot it. Yeah, and like, I'll know when I see it. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we say. Well, are you going to, like, yeah. did you shoot that one? Dad asks us all the time, are you going to shoot him? And usually we're like, yes or no, but it's like sometimes I'll just know. If he walks in, and I'm, I'll yeah. know if I see it yeah. when he walks in. If I'm shaking and I'm like, oh, my God, like, yeah, I'm yep. pulling back. So, like, he's, like you said, that happened. it's way too common it goes through people's minds and it shouldn't that shouldn't even be close to what's going through your mind when that buck or doe or whatever is walking in so uh second to me we touched on just a little bit before location and if it's public or private makes a huge difference on what if you do want to go off score or whatever it makes a huge difference on you know if it's public land or private land different states 
different sizes of deer. Are you in Rhode Island? Are you in Texas? Are you in Iowa? That's yeah. going to make a huge difference between whether that buck would be considered big or not big for you know the overall picture of what people would consider a big yeah. deer. I mean, I hunted in Iowa with the hunting public, and the deer we saw in public land there were completely different. They blew the deer out of the water that I've seen on Nebraska public land. Like, I see those deer in Nebraska public land, but it's few and far between. Where I'm seeing them there, you know, 12, 15 times a year. Because it's just, it's Iowa. It's a different place than Nebraska, than Michigan, than Pennsylvania, than Texas, like you said. Like, expectations are completely, you know, different for where you're at. Yeah, and your property versus someone else's just on different sides of the highway 20 miles is going to make a huge difference as to what deer in the area like where where we live there's probably not that many big deer around but if you go 20 minutes south where we turkey hunt there is big deer everywhere it's going to make a huge difference as to what you consider a yeah. big deer on your property to be so it's yeah. all and it's all relative you can't judge anybody for in my opinion you can't judge anybody for anything it's all yeah. different it's all situational dependent it's the last thing you should worry about to me is score if you want to if he makes you happy and he's big shoot him and then you want to score him just to see what he scores, fine. I don't have any problem with it. I don't think it's the main thing that you should be concerned about anyways. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, though, I mean, I do see where it adds a challenge. You know, for some guys to shoot a certain sized animal is adds that extra challenge to them that if you want to wait three years and target one buck and, you know, and agonize over it and hope he makes it through every year and do all that, but it adds a challenge and you're having fun hunting, I don't have any problem with it. Just don't comment on my tiktok that my buck's not big enough if that's what you're doing and i think that's the difference is we hunt public land and we try to hunt different ones and it's always different and the challenge for us is hunting different properties that we don't know and i think if you if you have private land and we don't this is just kind of an assumption here you hunt it so much you know where everything is the mystery of the property leaves so then it becomes a chasing deer game as opposed to learning the property and killing a deer game as it is on public land. So I think that's where your mindset switches there, where if you're on private land and you know you know the property, you're waiting for a deer to get to 160 and that's the challenge. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. That's just a different mindset. You can do that on private land where you can't necessarily do that in public. Yeah, if you're following the rules and you're hunting and you're enjoying it, it's I don't care how you do it, if you wanna wait for the 160, 180, 200 inch deer to walk by, it's just the problem is where you think everybody else has to do the same thing. Yeah, and I know there's pieces of public land where we hunt and people we know that are waiting for 160s, and they're never going to be there. <laughs> yeah. And if they are, they're there one day, and they're passing through, and that's once in 10 years. Like, your expectations, you're waiting for a buck that's never going to show up. So don't have your expectations be to get something so it can score when it's never going to be there. Yeah, like, going back to the story you said earlier, if we are going to wait, apparently— for that buck to get bigger in two years. I would guess we've only seen on the public land we've hunted, we've had either seen or got trail camera pictures on consecutive years on what, maybe a handful of deer. Yeah. Less than 10, probably for sure. Yeah. That probably like five that we've seen or got trail camera pictures of, or heard someone talk about, or know he's yeah. still around in more than one, just one season. So if we were waiting for deer to continually get bigger, we'd never, you wouldn't shoot anything. No, you'd have not even have a chance. You just, You'd just be nature viewing because there's just it's just the nature of hunting public land in Nebraska on small pieces of public land. Yep. So, and the author said it. Uh, he goes, he doesn't. He thinks it's fine, but it shouldn't be the sole focus of your hunting. So, which again, I agree with. Couldn't agree more with. He says, you know, the wrong reason 
to do it is so that you can brag about the score of the deer later on. The right reason for trophy hunting is for enjoying the process, which is pretty much what you said. If you're hunting private land and that's the process you want to work through, our process is going to Just new pieces getting of public something land. something on the ground. <laughs> and, yeah, and going, or going somewhere new. That's our process. That's what we enjoy. If your process is, you know, waiting to shoot a bigger deer, perfectly fine. But like he said, it's if you're doing it solely for the reason to brag about the 165, then that's the wrong reason yeah. to be doing it. And I couldn't agree more. And I think it. we'll preface this by saying everybody wants to shoot the big deer. Everybody wants to shoot the biggest deer. Like we can't sit here and say that that's not part of it. I can't sit here and say that it's not part of why I get up on in October to go hunting is just because I love the process. Like there is an end result and the end result is to shoot a deer and to shoot a big deer, but don't let that drive you and don't let that take away from your experience or take away from shooting an animal you'd be happy to take. Yeah. And he, he went on to talk about kind of high fence operations. He didn't understand them. I don't understand them. I don't either. Personal preference. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, he's talked about too, like what's the challenge? What's the story behind that? He goes, that's pretty much all a bragging right deal. You know, could and you can't. More I, with that. I don't know. You can't say nothing. You can't go. Hey, look at that deer on my wall. It looks ridiculous. But I shot it on a high fence, and like, yeah, it defeats the purpose. And the optics for anti hunters and non hunters shooting like fish in a barrel, shooting deer in a pen, <laughs> is not good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just not. He just touched on it quick. I just want to touch on it. Uh, just didn't agree with it. Don't get it. I guess in the broad sense. So couldn't agree with him more on that. And he talked about the it's only syndrome, which I thought was pretty good. Like it's only a 135 inch whitetail type that gets thrown around a lot. Um, that's a great deer. 135 inch deer is a great deer. And then again, even if it's not 135 inch, if the guy that shot it thinks it's a good deer, then it's a good deer. Who am I to tell him that it's not? Yeah. So hunting TV shows that only show big deer getting killed leads people to believe and be ashamed of shooting something so that they don't think would be on a yeah. YouTube and, show or whatever. And I think it, it leads people to do things they shouldn't do. Like, it leads them to break the law. There's an outfitter, that big case up in Broken Bow here in Nebraska, where that outfitter was killing deer with silencers and taking too many deer because the the drive to shoot the biggest deer took control of him and, you know, he wasn't thinking straight, obviously, when that got control of him. And it was just big deer, big deer, big deer. I got to shoot the mm. biggest deer for TV. He was on TV shows as well. So it's like sometimes that can take control of you and lead to some bad things. Yeah, and that's why we enjoy showing the process. Because to us, and like the author said, it should be more about the process. And if the end result is, uh, you know, because of that process and you the deer at the end is good to you we said it a billion times then it's fine it shouldn't be about it shouldn't be primarily about score which yeah. is what he said and what we're saying so yeah and it's, and you kind of mentioned it like it's about the process like why is it okay for a kid that's just starting hunting to shoot a spike but because now he's 15 or 16 or 42 he can't do that because it made him he said because it made him happy well it might make me happy to shoot a spike when i'm yeah. 42 when i was when i was eight so i think it's just yeah, basically being happy with whatever it is you choose to take. Yeah, and I thought it was good and refreshing to see that in that Bowhunter Magazine article, there's a guy saying his opinion on trophy hunting and saying it shouldn't be the sole focus. And you know, with the big buck on the magazine, front of the magazine. I thought it was good to actually see that and good on Bowhunter for putting that side in there. So it's the challenges and memories, antler size is just a, a bonus and I, I think should just be the extra bonus to it but like i said it was good to see that in bow hunter magazine so i commend them for doing that so 
We'll do our top three segment now. So we're going to do our top three early season hunting tips. We might have the same ones. We usually have one that runs the same. And we'll just see what kind of comes out since we're getting into our September 1st opener here in just a few weeks. So my number three tip that I have for number three, and this one I'm going to say is a work in progress. I want to see how it runs this year, but water. We found a spot that's just got a pond. It's the only water around. And Brody said it the other day, I think he said it best when we were out there checking the trail camera. This is the only water around. There's no ag, no pivots, no anything else for miles. So if there's any deer, instead of focusing on specific deer, specific deer beds, we're just sitting on the one spot where we know they're all going to go. Yeah. They're going to get up and go. If they're in the area, if he's bedded close, he's going to go to that pond sometime. Hopefully before you know it gets dark but once he gets up from his bed he's going to that pond yeah it's something we've talked about before and sometimes forget about ourselves is what's the limiting resource is it food is it cover is it water in this case it's water like if you're on a river system in iowa when there's rivers everywhere probably not the limiting resource you can get water in a lot of places but here water is that limiting resource and like you said when they get up if there's any deer in that area and it's 95 degrees out on september 1st they're going to get up and they're going to get a drink of water yeah, so that's, like I said, it's a work in progress, but I put it at number three because I'm seeing, beginning to see the value of water early season. And I know um, there's some guys that talk about water during the rut, which I need to do more research on, and we're going to use this one probably as an experiment to see how that works out too. So I think we could get some deer at 11, 12 o'clock, some bucks hitting that November 5th to get a drink as they're chasing does. So yep. it's going to be interesting. So you're number three. My standing three is kind of the same thing in a tactic and a work in progress, but standing corn, it's something that for the longest time I didn't think was important. And it was something deer ate, but didn't really associate with cover or movement. And it's something that we've just been shown through all of our hunts how important standing corn is this is now this is nebraska it's different than probably iowa where there's more tree cover more mixed in but standing corn is important for deer movement and for bedding and i think that's something you can think about if you have properties don't overlook it i think is maybe the point here yeah i'd be willing to bet in a place like nebraska if there's any trees or anything near a cornfield that you could drive by, and I'd place money on it, that there's deer in that cornfield. Yeah. Bet it in the cornfield, not in the trees, in the cornfield. And, it, and that's something I did not believe for the longest time. No. But every time we're driving at night or something, and we're like, see does on the side of the road, and one of us is like, hey, where's that coming from? Where's he going? Corn. You know, not the beans, yeah. the corn. So it's it's something that we've overlooked, and I think the point here is don't overlook it. Doesn't mean they're going to be there, but don't overlook it. Yeah, that's one that we almost refused to accept except we got showed it so many times <laughs> repeatedly that it finally got through our skulls that standing corn is just as good as soybeans or trees. Yep. So you're, do your number two. Uh, being willing to move. So setups are going to change, especially for us. Our uh, season opens September 1st. A lot's going to change from September 1st even to September 15th. Be willing to move. Don't be stuck in your spots. Yeah, that's good. We, I think we move more now, obviously, with hanging hunt stuff than we ever used to, but we still get stuck in the staying in the same spot we need to be willing to move that's something we've you know got better at as we've gone here so but like you said definitely during the early season as things change change with them um for me kind of a lesson learned um is be more aggressive in the early season i think that's one thing we want to do this year we know where the bucks are we've seen them we've velvet scattered we've got them on truck camera we know they're coming through consistently why are we not getting in there and going after them yeah so, and i think that's something where you're like oh, i've got all year and then before you know it, it's October 15th, and you're mm -hmm. like, this year is half over. And I've not done what I wanted to do up to this point. You start in September, and you're like, ah, I got all year. But 
it goes by fast. Be aggressive, and we're definitely not aggressive enough. Yeah, and that's, like I said, that's one of the lessons learned. That's one of the things I've learned from Zach, who you're good friends with. Obviously, you worked up there. But we're like, what? Well, the other night, we were looking at those bucks, and we're like, so what would Zach do? And we'd be like, well, he'd be just right down there hunting them opening day. So, like, well, why not? Like, yeah. why are we? Why would we sit in a tree somewhere where we know to he's watch not walking them. <laughs> when we know he's down there? Like, just yep. do what Zach does. So that <laughs> do was, what Zach does. <laughs> so that was my that was my number two one for. Uh, just lesson learned was be more aggressive. So my number one, I don't know if this is much of a tip. Now that I put it there, I shouldn't have put it there. But since it's on there and I don't have another number one, I'm going to throw it up there. My number one tip, apparently, for early season is bring a thermocell. <laughs> yeah, that's, not a, that's not a tip. <laughs> but uh, that's what I, it is a tip because if there's mosquitoes, but I feel Being like that's the number maybe. one. Sure. That's, it makes you more comfortable. You're not moving around. You're not swatting mosquitoes. Bring a thermosel. They work great. That was my number one. That's definitely not a number one. (laughs) So maybe that should move my number number two up to number one. I don't know. Mine mine is if you find fresh sign, hunt it. The rubs are starting to kick off or kick on because deer are losing their velvet. If they're making ropes because they're losing their velvet, that means they're there. If you find fresh sign, hunt it. Yeah, and that's one thing, again, goes back to your kind of one before is moving around. If you see it, move to it. Like there's no use seeing it and not doing something about it. Yeah. So if it's fresh sign, we did that a couple of years ago where we weren't on the deer we wanted to early season. We weren't hardly seeing anything. Like it took three weeks. We didn't see anything, which is hopefully different than what this year is going to be. But we did some in-season scouting. I found some fresh rubs that were just made, set up over the field, and there was bucks out there. Yeah. So it was just a moving to where that sign is. And sometimes that means doing a little in-season scouting. So another your number one's better than my number one. Yeah. <laughs> so now we'll, we'll move on now to our... Uh, Things we can learn from deer research. We've had a couple of these type of articles before. I think they always bring out some good conversation. This was a Realtree.com article from Mike Hanback, who most of you probably know. Just touched on a different things than what we've talked about before, so I thought it was another good one to bring up. Um, the first one was rubs, and I thought this one was super interesting. They did research on deer were in a in a you know high fence research pen. I don't know how many acres. It was decently sized high fence pen. They were removed for three years, and then different deer brought in from Michigan and a couple other states. They put them in that pen, and the bucks immediately began using the same exact rubs as the bucks from before. Hmm. That's crazy. Is it a smell thing? Did they say why? Maybe they say I don't why. know that it really touched on why. Is it a smell why, thing or a visual? Like, could know. they see where those rubs used to be? And like, hey, Billy thought this was a good tree. So do I and make a rub on it or what? Yeah, I don't or know the type what. of tree or where it, the location? Yeah, I just see probably a bunch of different just things. super interesting that they use the exact same ones. Like they're using the same trails, using the making the same rubs in the same spot. So that just tells me, again, for rubs, if it's a traditional spot where you're seeing deer, you know, and no significant factor has changed, it's probably going to be a good spot, hopefully year over year for you. No big significant changes but i just thought that was crazy that completely different deer it wasn't the same deer they put back in three Mm -hmm. years later deer from michigan a completely different state came back in and used the same trees completely ridiculous so again rubs obviously used and like we've talked about before it's just what kind time of day is probably more important than you know where the rub you know where the rub is is important to getting that what time of day and where they're coming from but i saw that was a really interesting thing that they found from deer research that they went back to those exact same rubs so uh moving on to another type of uh deer sign here we're talking about scrapes um and they you know again did another study and it was three-year-old and older bucks check scrapes the majority of the time between 2 and 3 a.m from the study 
So I guess to me, we've talked, again, we've talked about it a lot, but scrapes is all about location. To me, that just shows that they're a long ways away from where they're betting. It's not saying don't hunt the scrapes. It's just saying you need to be closer to the scrape that's near betting than you are this one. Yeah, I'd agree. It's like what scrapes were they? Were they monitoring the ones on the field edges or close to betting? Like I said, I think it's a location thing. And it, like it's always situational, you know. You can set up on a scrape and it can be a complete dud, or you can set up on one that's next to bedding and there's deer coming past it all the time. Yeah, and that like begs the question, does scrape hunting work then, or is it better to back off? I think it works. Again, it's all about location of the scrape. Is it close to bedding or is it over a field edge? Yep. So nothing too groundbreaking, you know, with that research there. And we have another groundbreaking research one here talking about roading buck travel. Bucks move more in late October and November. <laughs> Thanks for telling us what we already knew. That was a good one. So thanks for that one. But we got that one down. I guess you have to prove something true just as much as you have to prove something not true, maybe? Good point. I think, like, you can't... We know it's true, but the science here is proving what we thought was true was true. Yep. So then now you can say it's true. (laughs) (laughs) That got really confusing. There's a lot of trees in there. Uh, Moving on now, I guess. Number four is cover. This one's going to get a little technical. Not too much, though. Uh, Deer prefer cover. Stick with me here. That has 90%... Of their body from 200 feet or less. So basically, deer like thick stuff. They like most of their body to be being hid if you're within 200 feet of them. So, I mean, and we've seen this in our scouting, you know, it's not, you get to the thicker stuff that's where the majority of the deer, the bucks, are gonna bet. Because they yep. can hide, but they can still see out type of a deal. Yep, I would agree. Just from scouting, I'm sure everybody else has seen it too. You find those thick spots, and all of a sudden that deer just jumps out of this patch of really thick stuff like it's the thick stuff makes them feel secure makes them feel safe uh moving on to deer eyes and their vision and what most of us already know deer can can detect really slight movement so just underscores the importance of sitting still in your tree stand i find myself that i probably don't sit still as much as i should no it's something even when i I see a deer i don't sit still as i should i know i need to do a better you know it needs to be a goal to not move as much because they can detect super slight movements. I mean, we've all probably seen it if you hunt any length of time, but deer picking up on the slightest thing that you did, and you're like, how did he even see me? But they can obviously do that. You know, and when they're standing there and they're looking at you, you know, and they're bobbing their head, they say that's because they're trying to get a 3D view. Their depth hmm. perception isn't the same as ours. They can pick up movement better, but their depth perception isn't, a good, isn't as so good. So it's trying to, like, compute how far away you are yeah. and, like, left and right. That's and- why your camo works good because it's, it's giving them up. just a, a flat, you know, thing. They can't get that depth perception. So that's what they're trying to do is they're getting that 3D image of you hmm. by moving their head around to different spots. Same thing like a duck or a goose does when it's coming into the decoy spread. You know, they're moving mm-hmm. their heads around. Same thing. They're doing the, trying to get a 3D view of the decoys and all that stuff that's going on. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's what they're doing when they're standing out there and they're, she's just bubbling her head back you. around. Yeah, stomping out and getting ready to blow and ruin everything. That's what they're doing. So we talked about this one in another deer research thing. But swamps, older deer are in the swamps. This is just another study that proved the same thing. So that's one we talked about in an earlier podcast. You can definitely go back and listen to that if you want our thoughts and want to hear more about that study there. But that's just another basic one. Just threw it in there because I wanted to reprove the fact that swamps are good. Um, And another obvious groundbreaking one, bucks go where the hunters aren't. I don't know the specifics of the study. It's just an obvious, you know, takeaway from that one that bucks go where hunters aren't. It's just good to bring back up some of that stuff. That way you think about it this year if you kind of, sometimes some of that obvious stuff you forget, you need to go back to basics. So just kind of throwing that one in. Um, But summer scrapes, this might be one you can talk about here in a little bit. Mature bucks make scrapes in the summer, often in their core area, 
in near bedding. This was an actual research thing that they did, and that's something that we just literally saw a week ago. Yeah, it's something we've seen and kind of took note of over the last few years, but finding scrapes that are active all year round, and it's what we saw uh, on this property. Uh, we were scouting them with velvet scouting, going along the field edges, and all of these trees had branches hanging down. They were lacking leaves that they should have this time of year, and the, it's dry as I'll get out here in Nebraska right now. So all the dust in those fields was all torn up, and there's like these little dusting we thought was turkeys, but it was deer making scrapes under the trees. And it proved true because the camera was right there, and every time those bucks went through there, they were stopping at those scrapes every single time. Yeah, and there was mulberry trees those there. Those too. With the overhanging branches, and there weren't any leaves on those branches we're like is that like just no leaves growing from last year's scrapes or this year like i said we th got that truck came in great to see all the bucks on there first of all and then we're like what the heck are they doing they're making they're touching those they're not necessarily they're not browsing know, like, making there. a scrape as much as they are they're still like, checking it. yeah who's here who's been through eat some of these leaves yeah more of even a more casual check than yeah. probably what you're getting in november but it's still i think it's still a social thing for them it's still like who's been through here since I was last mm -hmm. through here. Yeah. So that's just something that I, we that wrote this down before we seen that, but the fact that we just seen it was just, I mean, mm -hmm. crazy to see that that was actually true and something, you know, just to take note of that I've really never seen or even thought about, but now I'd say it's 100% true. Yep. So um, let's see. Got to move on. Oh, Dr. Grant Woods did a research study um, on that buck shift movement from summer to where maybe their core area is. We talked about this just a little bit on the other one that we did, but he said it's a 50-50 split on if a buck shifts his core area. So when they talk about deer completely moving or not being in there. Don't scout in the summer because yeah, they won't be don't there. Don't scout in the summer or the buck's going to you know leave. It's only a 50-50 chance whether he's going to move or stay anyways. Yeah. I so mean, they say mature bucks move less. I don't know if somebody's proven that true, but they say mature bucks move less, which you can kind of expect. And I know there's been deer on public land that we've had for trail cameras uh, that we've gotten summer pictures of, fall pictures of, and then found their sheds. You know, and that's not every buck we've seen, but that's a couple bucks we've seen. So they didn't move very far, but mm -hmm. the other bucks, they might have moved. So like you said, 50-50, I think it's just a personality thing and pressure. If they don't feel pressure, there's no need to move yeah. if they've got everything they need. Yeah, so why move if there's no pressure? So that's just something... I take 50-50 odds yeah. <laughs> on a buck being there September 5th when I go in to hunt him. I mean, that seems pretty good to me. So move on to hill country bedding. It's another Dr. Grant Woods one, but if you listen to anything that Dan Infault puts out for hill country bedding, he always talks about that top third where the deer are going to bed. Grant did a study and proved the same thing. So that was just an observation that Dan had that tells you how smart he is just from seeing it. Grant did the research on it. Top third deer are going to bed there for hill country bedding. So... Again, something that most of us probably know, just good to see that the study and the science backs it up. Um, odor eliminating sprays. So this said that it significantly reduced odor levels of 29 compounds, but the smell was still there. So you can still get busted. So it reduces them, but it doesn't eliminate, eliminate them. Because you're still going to smell <laughs> you're alive even if you were dead in your tree stand there's always a smell coming off of you and as good as a deer can smell it's going to smell you yeah there's you're as you're sweating like just living you're you can you'd have to keep spraying continuously yeah. if you thought that would even do you any good yeah and i don't i think it can help you well maybe let the deer get closer so you can get a shot instead of him smelling you 20 yards out of range maybe 
but he's also going to come in within 15 yards if my wind's not blowing to him. And I think that's the thing. I can set up all I want to, expecting the deer to come from this way and my wind not blowing to him, but he might show up behind me. Yeah, so like I said, you can use them. I'm sure they help, but it's not going to eliminate. you still got to set up for what the actual wind is doing. There's yeah. not a replacement for being and Yeah, smart. you can't just spray down and then sit wherever you want or walk wherever you want. Yep. Um, let's, number 12 here was a late December rut. Um saying properties with way more does than bucks get an actual second run. It's like 28 days later than the actual rut in November. So that early part, early middle part of December, if you have way more does or your public land's got way more does, however it works for you, there is a little bit of a second rut there in December when those other does that weren't bred come back into heat. So just something to think about. If you got some rut spots, might be worth throwing a sit in at one of your traditional rut spots. Maybe first part of December, see what happens there. But just a little research there on that one. Um, moving on now to stand pressure, which is important for us guys, especially that hunt public land. Um, so the bucks traveled 55 yards farther from stands at the end of the year compared to where they did on opening day. So that just proves the fact that bucks are aware of being hunted and adjust accordingly to it. So it's not, it's not going to give you, that's not groundbreaking research as far as, you know, doesn't tell you where the bucks go, but it's telling you to still be smart about your pressure and that they do notice it. Yep. So they sense that pressure. They don't completely disappear like everybody kind of thinks they do or, you know, common, you know, not common knowledge, but a myth that's maybe out there is that people think the bucks completely move. They don't just completely run away to a different county. They just shift their pattern. It's just up to you to find that kind of shifting pattern. So... Take a quick little break here, let you know how you can support the Out Here Show and Whitetail Instinct for that matter. So if you want to support the show, you like what we're doing, you want to keep seeing it, go to our website, whitetailinstinct.com, and check out our apparel. We've got a bunch of different shirts, sweatshirts. We're going to be adding more here as the fall goes on. Um, so keep checking back if you don't like any of the designs we have now. You got an idea, send us it, we might just make it. So we have, a, like I said, a bunch of shirts, sweatshirts over there. So head over there, whitetailinstinct.com, see if you can't find something you like, buy it, support the show. So with that, we'll wrap it up for this Out Here show. A bunch of good stuff there, some trophy hunting stuff, some more deer research stuff that a lot of times is just good to rehash and just bring up. The more you think about it, the more you might think about it during deer season when you're you know, struggling or need to you know, get a fresh take on something. So I think some of that stuff is, is good to bring up. Yep, you always kind of forget, like you said, some of those basic things, and then the science proves it here for what you're thinking, and it's just the basic things that maybe you overlook, you can re refresh your brain on and maybe help you harvest something this fall. Yeah, sometimes a new look is good. So, like I said, with that, that'll wrap up the Out Here show every Monday, noon central. Also, with deer season approaching, go to our Whitetail Instinct YouTube channel. That's where you can find all the videos of our public land hunting here in Nebraska. We're going to be doing, hopefully, some traveling different parts of the state early in the year. We've got some really good prospects on camera. Uh, early season should be exciting, hopefully, to start off the year. So we'd appreciate if you guys would go over there, watch the Whitetail Instinct stuff, and then just keep bouncing back and forth to both channels as we put out stuff. The content's going to be really ramping up as we get into deer season. So head over there. Make sure you like, subscribe to that, as well as this channel. But uh, thanks for watching. We'll be back here next Monday.